When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is the Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. So when is enough enough? How do we stop focusing on what we don't have and start focusing on what's possible? Hi, this is Tom Wheelwright, and today we have a very special guest, Michael Easter, who is an expert and does done a lot of studying in this field on scarcity mindset and has written a new book, which I'm very excited about because it's a, it's a terrific book and uh, really highly recommend it um, for anybody who just likes to read, uh, let alone whether you like the topic or not. It's just a really good read. So um, it's called Scarcity Brain, Fix Your Craving Mindset and rewire your habits to thrive with enough. And Michael, it is great to have you on our podcast today. Yeah, I'm so happy to be here, Tom. Thanks for having me. So if you would, give us a little of your background, because it's a it's an unusual background for you know what you're writing about and how did you get into this? Because your first book's Comfort, uh, Comfort Zone, right? Yeah, Comfort yeah. Crisis. Comfort mm -hmm. Crisis. And then, and then now we're talking about scarcity, those two clearly go together. Uh, and, and so what's driven this for you? Yeah, that's a great question. My background is that for a lot of years, I was an editor at a magazine and I tended to cover health and wellness, uh, mental health, physical health, all these things. And then uh, I'm now a professor at a university where I continue to write. And yeah, the first book was The Comfort Crisis, which basically looks at how as the world has become more comfortable in a lot of ways, we've lost a lot of the things that keep us healthy. Now, this book is interesting because what I noticed is that when people uh, people deal with a lot of their problems by accumulating, by reaching for more, by doing something, I'm like what's up with that? As someone who you know is in in the wellness industry and wants to know how to improve people's lives, I tend to think about how can we fix bad habits more than how can we improve good habits? Because when you sort of look at the landscape of numbers and figures and data, you see that it's usually bad habits hurt people more than good habits can help them. So if you're, if you're trying to develop all these good habits, but you haven't fixed your worst ones, you still have your foot on the brake. And um, to me, some of the worst habits are these uh, habits we have where we repeat a behavior over and over, consume accumulate. And that is what the book uh, really gets into and why we do that and how it manifests itself in our lives. Well, let, let's start out with just a simple definition, if we could. Um, define a scarcity mindset. What What is this? What What's what's causing, causing this? Yeah, I think it's the feeling that we don't have enough and it manifests itself in a lot of different ways. You know, the book really looks at uh, everyone knows that everything is fine in moderation, but why can't people moderate? <laughs> Right? Why do we keep eating when we're full? Why do we keep buying stuff when we've got storage units full of possessions that we don't use? Uh, why do we keep scrolling social media or checking and rechecking and rechecking email when we know it's you know, not doing 
great things for our mental health and we don't need to be doing that. Um, humans are really accumulators and cravers. And I think that is really what the scarcity mindset is and how it manifests itself in our lives. So why do we do this? How did that evolve? Sure. Well, when you think about the landscapes that humans evolved in, uh, everything we needed to survive was scarce and hard to find. So everything from food to stuff, to information, to the number of people we could influence and much more, it's all hard to find. So it made sense for millions of years, literally, to when you had the opportunity to reach for enough, to eat more food than you needed, to accumulate more stuff than you needed, to try and one-up another person because that would improve your survival odds, to accumulate information, to keep getting information, 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 right? Uh, but we now live in a world where we have an abundance of all these things that we're built to crave, and we don't have a governor on that. <laughs> so we keep overdoing it and overdoing it. And this leads to long-term problems. Yeah. So you you, you actually um, uh, start in the book and you talk about uh, the, the basically the drug crisis being part of this. Um, mm -hmm. What is it that you think drives us to? It's it's almost like we need this constant hit of serotonin, right? That we're constantly looking for um, because now that we have our basics. You know, you, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and and all I think is, well, gee, we, you know, we have, you know, we get the basics taken care of. Shouldn't we be able to reach for those higher levels? And yet what it seems is, is we see a lot of, and we saw this during the pandemic when people were um, given a lot of handouts, right? Is that mm -hmm. what did they do with that? And they, they weren't, they weren't creating new art and they weren't creating new products. They were, they were you know, using drugs and watching porn and, you know, what, whatever. I mean, that's what, that's what people were doing. Why? What, what's causing that? Well, I think it does go back to this idea that I'll, I'll give you an example of a study. Here's a, here's a great study I learned about. And I talked to the researcher while I was reporting, reporting this book. There's this guy whose name is Lighty Clocks, Klotz, K-L-O-T-Z. And he is an engineering professor at the University of Virginia. And this guy is probably one of the top engineering minds in the country. One day, this guy is playing Legos with his son. The kid is three years old and they're building a Lego bridge. And they got this bridge and they, you know, they got the two pillars and they're about to put the span and they put the span on and they realize that the bridge is off kilter. So one of the, one of the pillars has fewer blocks than another one. So it's off center, right? So the engineering professor, what's his fix? He goes and he starts rummaging through the box of Legos to, to fix this thing, finds the Legos he needs. He turns around and he realizes that his three-year-old son has done something pretty interesting. And that's that he fixed the problem by removing blocks. <laughs> and, that, and that is the better thing to do because they now have more resources that they can use. The bridge is now flat. And so you have this PhD engineer who's done, who's done work for the World Bank, for all these massive corporations who just gets out-engineered by a three-year-old. And so what he does is he goes, wow, that's interesting. And he starts taking this bridge around the University of Virginia in the engineering department. And when he meets with his colleagues and when he meets with students, he'll pull this thing out, he'll throw some Legos on the table, and he'll be like, hey, fix this. Every single person adds to the pillars. Right? Every single person's fix is to add resources. Mm. So he goes, all right, this is weird enough that we need to study this. And he does a series of six, six studies. And they all are problems 
Now, a person can either fix the problem by adding resources or taking resources away. In every single study, the right answer is to subtract resources. That's the more efficient use. That's the better option. But in every single study, the majority of people add to try and fix a problem. Hmm. Now, the reason for this goes back to what I said about how we evolved in environments of scarcity. It has always made sense for humans to add, to accumulate. If you had the opportunity to add more, to accumulate more, to do more, you always took that. We still have that brain in a world where it doesn't always make sense. So interesting. So, so the big the the big term now is FOMO, right? We're, we all have this fear of missing out. Um, how does that how does that play into this? Because as you, as you talk about in your book, I, I mean that's how a lot of companies are successful in marketing is they market on FOMO. And uh, scarcity is uh, rule number one when I I do um, selling from stage. And rule number one, selling from stage is there's got to be scarcity. There's got to be scarcity and urgency. And if you get those two, you're going to win every single time. Yeah. So so um, how, how do we deal with that on a daily basis since, uh, you know, I think it's natural that we have it. And I think social media compounds it. Yeah, it absolutely does. Um I think that, so I'll back up. And first, you're absolutely correct that scarcity and urgency, that's the secret sauce. If you want to sell something, tell them there's only one and tell them they have to make a decision now, <laughs> right? Um, so back to that idea of our worst habits hurting us the most. Uh, what really got me thinking about this is that I live in Las Vegas and when you live in Las Vegas, you end up saying a lot of strange things, right? This is a town built on excess. It's built on accumulation. But the strangest part to me has always been the slot machines because they're everywhere. They're 90% of casino floors, but they're also in our gas stations, our restaurants, our bars, everywhere. everywhere. And people play them around the clock. I mean, I'll be getting groceries at 7 a.m. and there's someone there letting their perishables spoil because they got sucked into some you know, cat-themed slot machine. And you're going, what's up with that? Like, it doesn't make any sense. Everyone knows the house always wins. So I decided I'm going to get to the bottom of this because that's what I do. I'm an investigative journalist, right? And long story short, through talking to various people, sources, I end up at this casino on the edge of town. And it's brand new, super cutting edge. One of the nicest casinos I've been into. Uh, but the catch is that it's not open to the public. So this is a casino laboratory. It's a living, breathing casino, but it's used exclusively for human behavior research. And it's not just funded by the gambling industry. There's 73 different companies that are on board in this thing. And they are some of the biggest tech companies in the world. A lot of Fortune 500s have money invested in this place. And they're trying to figure out how basically everything that happens in the casino later affects human behavior and decision make making, right? Trying to get people to spend more. Now, while I'm there to bring it back to slot machines, I end up talking with a slot machine designer and he explains why slot machine works and slot machines depend on a system that I call the scarcity loop. So it is this three-part behavior loop that evolved in the human brain. And you can think about it as the serial killer of moderation. So it has three parts. It's got opportunity, unpredictable rewards and quick repeatability. So opportunity, we have an opportunity to get something of value. 
In the case of a slot machine, it's money. Unpredictable rewards. We know we'll get that thing of value eventually, but we don't know when, and we don't know how valuable it'll be. So with slot machines, you play a game and you're like, I could lose money. I could win 75 cents. I could win $75 million. I don't know. And then quick repeatability. You can repeat the behavior right away. So with slot machines, you see people just play and play and play. Now, any time a behavior can fit into these three conditions, humans are vastly, vastly, vastly more likely to get hooked on it. And the reason that there's so many companies involved in this project, not just gambling companies, is because you can insert this scarcity loop into all sorts of other behaviors and products to drive behavior. So for example, it's how social media works. It's how dating apps work. It's been uh, going in line with this podcast. Uh, it's one of the reasons that Robinhood did so well is the quick re repeatability of trades and the taking away of fees, right? So people could do that quicker. Uh, it's in everything from our food system to our education system. Uh, companies like Uber and Lyft are using it to get workers to drive longer hours. And so I think that part of getting out of bad habits is realizing that we are very prone to falling into behaviors that fit into this system. So how, all right. So that begs the question, how do we get out of the bad habits? So how, how do you break that cycle? If you've got that scarcity loop, how do you break that scarcity loop? Yeah, there's, there's basically three ways. The first way is that just by becoming aware of it, you can start to change your behavior. Now, this is a uh, this is something this is a, a long established psychological idea that basically once people start to become aware of what they're doing and observe themselves, they start to change their behavior. So, just awareness is key. That when you you know you fall into this repeat behavior, whether it's checking and rechecking email because it's a random reward game, unpredictable rewards, or scrolling social media, realizing that it's not necessarily your fault because this is an ancient part of the human brain. And I can tell you why in a minute, um, but it is your problem to have to fix. <laughs> so awareness helps. And then the second part is that you can take away or change any, any one of the three parts of the loop. So you can change the opportunity, why you're using the thing. So for example, social media, people tend to just fall into the likes and retweets and gamification of it, but a person could use it as a communication tool to keep in touch with friends and family, right? You don't have to fall into the gamified system of random rewards. Um, you can change the unpredictable rewards or take them away. So that's by making things more predictable. A good example is one of the reasons um, why obesity started to take off in the United States is that food makers uh, consciously decided we need more sort of random rewards in our food. We need to put all sorts of different options out there because they know if you have a lot of different options for food, you'll tend to eat more of it. So things like eating the same food every day can help people. Uh, and then you can also slow down the repetition. So for example, that would be something like there's certain uh, limiters you can put on your phone to limit app use. You could keep the phone in another room. If you've got a problem with buying too much stuff on Amazon, you could put in say, all right, when I see something I want, I'm going to wait three days to buy it because the reality now is that we used to have the pause before we could buy stuff of needing to go to the store to buy it. Now we can buy something just thought right. pops into our head or we're just mindlessly scrolling for something else. And we see an ad and we can just complete the purchase immediately. 
Interesting. Uh, a friend of mine I was talking to the other day, and he said that um, he uses, he likes to read books on Kindle when he travels, because if he's got his iPad, he'll be distracted by all the social media. So th yeah. that's, that's an example of what you're saying, right? Yeah, it absolutely is. Because, uh, and there's actually really great research backing up his observation. And I think it's probably an observation we've all made that um, people tend to switch tasks on uh, phones and iPads. I can't remember the exact stat. It was something crazy where you go, oh, no wonder people can't pay attention because you, you know, you read a page and then you go, I wonder if I got an email. Then <laughs> you're checking your email. You read another page. I wonder if I got an update on my LinkedIn profile. I mean, you're checking your LinkedIn. And so I think even having systems where fewer unpredictable rewards like that are coming at us, in the case of your friend, it's the Kindle doesn't have LinkedIn updates and email, I think can reduce some of that behavior that tends to scatter us and lead us to end up doing less in the long run. Well, it sounds like this has a serious impact on our ability to focus. And that's certainly been something we've seen. We, you know, you call it the TikTok generation, um, that you have people, they want, you know, 15 second, 30 second videos, and they're constantly going from one to another to another. Um, that's that's a loop. How do you, so, so you talked about some things we can do individually. How do you deal with that in society when it's constant? in, in uh, social media and society and politics? Yeah, so this is, this is a larger question of, you know, should corporations have to change a system that works, right? So for me, I tend to think about it more in terms of the reason that this scarcity loop is, uh, it works is because it's engaging. It's really attention getting. We tend to fall into it. It tends to entertain us. It tends to be fun in the short term. But if you fall into it too much, it can hurt you in the long run. So for me, I tend to think, look, if you wanted to really reduce this, you would have to take away the unpredictable rewards. You would have to make videos less engaging. You'd have to make everything less engaging. And then the question is, do we really want that? Do I want YouTube to be like, hey, this video, way too entertaining. <laughs> this slot machine game, way too fun. Nope, this is too much fun. Um, so I tend to think more in terms of we as individuals need to become more aware of it and figure out what amount of it works for us. Because you also tend to see, um, if you just take addiction, for example, some people can drink alcohol without repercussion. Some can't. So should those that can drink it without repercussion have to never drink alcohol because some people have a problem with it? At the same time, you know, those people who are fine with alcohol might have a gambling problem, but the drinkers might be like, oh yeah, I'm fine with gambling. So I think when you start to overly regulate these behaviors that most of the population can handle, you start to get in a little bit of trouble because then you end up taking away freedoms from some people. So really it is up to the individual. And that's, that also is the, you know, the promise and the peril of a free living society. Hey, if you like financial education the way I do, you're going to love Buck Joffrey's podcast. Buck's a friend of mine, he's a client of mine, he's a former board certified surgeon, and he's turned into a real estate professional. So he has this podcast that is geared towards high paid professionals. That's who he's geared towards. So if you're a high paid professional, you're going, look, I'd like to do something different 
with my money than what I'm doing. I'd like to get financially educated. I'd like to take control of my money and my life and my taxes. I would love to recommend Buck Joffrey's podcast, which is called Wealth Formula Podcast with Buck Joffrey. I hope you join Buck on this adventure of a lifetime. Okay, so going back to the individual, which we love on this show because this is a show for entrepreneurs and the most individualistic people in the world are entrepreneurs. <laughs> yeah. Uh, you talk about scarcity cues. What are some mm -hmm. of those scarcity cues? Oh, simply telling people that there's a limited amount um, that, you know, stock is running low. Any cue that's going to um, make people reach going for Going out more. of business sale. Yeah, going out of business sale. But even things like, here, here's a really interesting study that deals with scarcity cues is even information that implies um, drama or danger can act as a scarcity cue. So there's, there's this uh, study I came across and I spoke with a researcher where they, uh, they had two bowls of M&Ms. And the first bowl said low calorie, the second bowl said high calorie. And people would come and they'd be like, hey, do you want M&Ms? This is on a college campus. And they had a television there. And if the television was playing like shows where everything's great with the world, like it's a sitcom, people would tend to take fewer M&Ms and they tend to take the ones from the low calorie pile. Now, if they had things like news that was negative news, like, you know, nothing is right in the world, the, the world is crumbling. People would tend to take from the high calorie and also eat more of them. <laughs> so what tends, what tends to happen? And I followed up with a biologist like, well, this doesn't make any sense. Why is this? He goes, no, if you think about it in the past, anytime that there was an implied danger, um, probably the safest thing you could do is eat more, buy more, accumulate more get as much as you can, hoard information. And so still today that affects us, even though we live in a much safer world. So this is why to toilet paper, there was a run on toilet paper during COVID, even though COVID had nothing to do with um, going to the bathroom. Yes, exactly. Um, I have a, a fun story about that too. I spoke to a, a researcher who, who studies hoarding and she studies hoarding in both animals and humans. And she goes, okay, I want you to picture squirrels. So squirrels have to gather nuts in the fall before they, you know, go into their little nests. She's like, if it's, if it's been a good summer for nuts, everything is relaxed. Everyone's Everyone's going, Hey, how are you? As they gather nuts, you know, she goes, but if it's been a bad summer and there's a shortage of nuts, it turns apocalyptic. What the squirrels do is they fight over nuts they're like, you know, screaming at each other, yelling. And then once they feel like they have enough nuts, they put them in their, in their, you know, little, little cave, their burrow where they're going to stay. And then they stand guard at the door ready to fight. And then she immediately transitions into, so when the pandemic happened, it became very apocalyptic. Everyone ran down to the store. It was just like squirrels gathering the nuts. People are fighting for toilet paper. People are doing all this crazy stuff. They're hoarding. And then once they get it, home in the borough, what do people do? Everyone went and bought guns. More gun sales occurred at the onset of the pandemic than ever because it was to defend resources. So her point was that <laughs> we often have behaviors that are very uh, similar to animals and predictable because at the end of, end of the day, we're from a long line of, you know, <laughs> of animals. So it's rather fascinating. So, so you, you mentioned as one of, as perhaps the solution to this is this concept of enough. 
And um, I, I kind of was thinking about this as I was reading uh, uh, Scarcity Mindset. And uh, one of my one of my mentors is uh, Dan Sullivan, a strategic coach. And he talks about the gap and the gain. That's his that's his term is that if you focus on the gap, what you don't have. And you never focus on what you do have, which is the gain, you know, how far you've come, then then you really have, I mean, you end up just completely, you're never satisfied, you're never happy. Um, right. So how do you how do you get to that point where I want to have an abundance mindset? In other words, there's amazing possibilities in the world. At the same time, I I want to make sure I want to be like, I'm good. Right. I'm good. I'd be, I'm, I'm good, better, but I'm good now. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I do think probably if a person is uh, listening to this podcast, I would imagine they're probably relatively decent off in the grand scheme of time and space. Um, so for example, my last, I'll give you an example. My last book, I spent more than a month in the Arctic. You know, we didn't have, we had to pack in our food. Like we, we had like nothing the whole time. So when I got back to my normal life, it was very much just a smack in the face going, oh my God, modern life is amazing. Like it's totally amazing. And I think we sometimes forget that. But in terms of bringing that down to a practical level, I think you do have to have an honest conversation about what is the point of this work in the first place? What am I trying to, what's, what's the long play here, right? And most people... Uh, what tends to happen is that people will often fixate on numbers because they right. give a certainty, the salary, the sale, the percentage, the whatever it is. But really the reason you work in the first place is so you can provide a, a livelihood for yourself, uh, for your family, so you can live a happy life, so you can maybe pursue these higher things of being a human, these higher experiences. And those are often don't have much to do with the actual number, Right. Um, you can often get those without needing the pile of money. And at a certain point, chasing the pile of money can backfire in the sense that it is removing you from time that you want to have to live a good life. And so unfortunately, I don't think that there's an easy, you know, here's the three-step formula to, <laughs> to perfectly find enough. I think it's self-exploration for everyone. Uh, but I do think hard conversations need to be had with uh, yourself and families about, you know, okay, um, if we want this amount of money, here's what it could get us. Here's probably the amount of time and effort it's going to take. Do we want to give and take here? How do we want to do this? Right. Cause everyone could make more money if they just put their nose to the grindstone, put in better systems, did all this stuff. But at the same time, if you do that for 40 years and you look back and go, well, I was miserable that 40 years. Does that worth it? And it's really balanced. At the same time, you can't you can't just you know hardly do anything because then you're going to be miserable from the lack of what you have. So it's it's very much a hard conversation. And we do see a big difference in in, in people. And and sometimes those those of us who are you know always focusing on you know what can we do better, what can we do more, we have a tendency to look at people who are say I'm good, and we're going oh they're not motivated, they're not you know they're they're just sitting sit on on their um, on their keister and they're they're not really doing what they could contribute, and yet I look at my wife so my wife is uh, she's a CPA like I am, she has a small practice and and she is the most she is the most comfortable happy enough person I've ever met, and uh, way way better than I am 
way better than I am. And, uh, and she's, she's good. I said, so, so, um, you know, what are your plans? She says, well, I'm going to live today. Today's good. I'm, I'm focused on today. There's a, there's a children's book called the candy dish was, which is about really about focusing on today. One of my favorite books to read my grandkids. And, um, have you, have you looked at how, um, how do people do that introspection and look at, okay, because we all, we all know people who have, um, tens of millions of dollars and it's not enough. They're constantly wanting more. And it's like, and if you ask them, they go, no, I, I could be, uh, you know, you don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. I, that's not enough. So, uh, you know, how, have you looked at, you know, how do you do that? How do you actually uh, evaluate that in yourself and take the time and go, okay, what do I need to do to change that mindset so that mm -hmm. I'm not, it's all, it's not always scarcity. Right. Yeah. That's a great question. And I do think, um, when that becomes that mindset becomes destructive enough that it's legitimately causing problems that I'm always trying to acquire more, do more. I think that in most cases, it's simply a symptom of some underlying dissatisfaction. So when humans are dissatisfied with something in their life, when they have some sort of internal conflict, discomfort, maybe it's like the marriage isn't great. Maybe it's just, you know, there's some unhealed thing from the past, whatever it is. I do think we tend to um, lean into doing these things that get us more that accumulate, right? And we're always going to be doing that and figuring out why the hell do I keep doing this unless I can fix that underlying thing. And what really shaped my thinking on this is that in the book, I ended up traveling to Iraq to study uh, addiction. And we've Typically in the U.S., the government has either treated it as a moral failing or as a brain disease. And probably neither are quite right, it turns out. So there's a lot of new thinkers that are seeing addiction as a symptom of something else. It is a solution in the short term because it provides like this idea that it's going to, you know, if it's say drugs, this is going to make me feel better in the short term. It's going to fix my problems but it's going to create long-term problems. And I don't see much different from difference from chasing just money for the sake of it and being obsessed with getting more and more and more if it's creating long-term problems than I do with, with using drugs. It's the exact same overlying architecture, right? Choosing this short-term uh, short reward that's creating long-term problems. And usually addiction when it comes to drugs is that Again, it's it's treating a short-term problem. It's treating a problem, an underlying problem. It's allowing for escape. And so having to unpeel that layer and go, okay, well, why am I doing this in the first place? That's a hard thing to ask, right? It, it is. What am I escaping from? Right. What are you escaping from? Right. right. What am I escaping from? Yeah. And to your point about how sometimes, you know, if you're an entrepreneur, it can you can kind of look at people who aren't working as hard and be like, man, like, why are you? Why are they like that? Why are they so late? You know, lazy. But really, it's that you're playing one game and they're playing a different game. You know, so your game is I want to see that that number in the bank account increase, and that's how you measure your score. And for them, it's a completely different game. They're going, no, like the number is there, but that's not what I'm worried about. I'm worried about you know my relationships. I'm worried about this these I other stop. things, right? So they at the same time are looking at you going, 
man why is he <laughs> no no question <laughs> yes. no question i mean it's it it's this is what makes i think this is a really interesting part of the world um so when we think of typically think about let's let's end with this we typically think about um scarcity mindset and then we immediately think about okay the opposite would be the abundant uh, uh abundant mindset so can you talk a little bit about the abundant mindset and how that differs and what has to be done to get there yeah i think i mean the abundance mindset is realizing that you have enough and to me that comes from um fixing those underlying bad habits i talked about and you know when i talked about the scarcity loop how that tends to push people into these repeat behaviors that can hurt them in the long run um the reason that 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 humans get so attracted to that loop is because it evolved to help us find food when we were hunter gatherers in the past. So if you think of searching for food, it's a uh, it's a random rewards game. You go to one place, there's no food. So you go to the next place, there's no food. So you go to the next place, no food. You go to the next place. Oh, there's so much food, jackpot. And then you have to repeat it, right? I think that you can use that same system um, to push yourself into habits that are they're good for you. So in that case, it sort of flips to an abundance loop. For example, people get really into something like, I don't know, bird watching because you're going out and playing this random rewards game, but in the process, you're usually outdoors in the sun, you're exercising, you're oftentimes doing that with people. And you tend to find that people find activities that fall into this, that lead to these long-term rewards to be the most um, life-enhancing things in their life. This is why a lot of a lot of people will get really into hunting because it's this thing that's giving them all these health, mental health benefits that the brain just naturally wants to fall into and keep them there and finds really fascinating. And so there's a, there's a lot of different ways to uh, apply that across your life to, to sort of develop these hobbies and habits that help you build relationships, help you move more, help you do all these things that we fundamentally know are good for humans. Um, and enhance your life in the long term. This is great. This has been terrific. Thanks, uh, thanks, Michael. So, if you could um, just, if there were like three steps you would recommend that somebody take to get started into mm -hmm. going from the scarcity to abundance type of a mindset, what would those three steps be? I would say to look for, if you feel like you have a habit that you overdo, that could be anything from um, spending too much time on your phone to, um, I don't know, for you guys checking your portfolios way too often to see how where the numbers went in the last five minutes, uh, to overeating, to maybe you drink too much occasionally or something. Um, I would look to see if they fall into the scarcity loop that I told you about. And chances are that they absolutely do. And then from there, you need to work to figure out how you can take elements of the loop away in order to start to overhaul those behaviors. And then from there, I think it's asking a lot of the uh, the bigger questions about what is a meaningful life to me? You know, money will make us happy and give us meaning up to a certain point. And I think, you know, there's there's people say, oh, it's $75,000. And I think that really it's very, very different for everyone. For um, sure. But there is a point, right? And so I think trying to figure out where the diminishing returns lie, you know, you basically want, <laughs> when when the effort it takes to get more money uh, greatly outweighs your happiness, then it becomes, you know, sort of a self-defeating 
prophecy. It's like, okay, you've, you've got enough now, so let's go use it. That's the whole point of it. That's the whole point of making a good amount of money, right? So you can go have really great experiences. And uh, yeah. I love it. I love it. So the book is Scarcity Brain. Mm-hmm. And uh, where's the uh, outside of buying, reading your book? Where else can we get more information about you, Michael? Uh, my website is eastermichael.com. And I send out a newsletter three times a week. That's at uh, 2%. So that's twopct.com is the website. And yeah, that goes out three times a week. And it's on different wellness topics, different psychological topics that um, oftentimes touch on the topics that you talk about. So people might enjoy that. That's awesome. So uh, thank you. And and this is uh, important. You know, I, my experience when it comes to money, wealth, happiness, is that uh, we do have to focus on the personal side and the personal development side um, before we can have the success um, on the financial side. So I think as we do focus on our uh, on our scarcity loops, on our scarcity habits, and we we move towards those abundance habits, I, I, I do think what we're always going to end up with, with is way more money and way lower taxes. We'll see, uh, see everybody next time. You've been listening to The Wealth Ability Show with Tom Wheelwright. Way more money, way less taxes. To learn more, go to wealthability.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.